Hello and welcome to the second episode of our new approach to podagogy. I'm John Severs, Commissioning Editor at TES, and once again I'm joined by Gronja Hallahan, Recruitment Editor at TES, and Dan Worth, Deputy Commissioning Editor. Last week we discussed remote learning, and this week we are looking at remote working. So, here we go. So, should we start by talking about our own experiences from working from home in the sense that Tez has, has, has mandated, as all companies should have done for the past three weeks or two and a half weeks, that we do work from home. But personally, I've been working home for about two years. Gronia and Dan? So, I work one day in the office and four days from home. But I love the office days. So I'm quite sad to be missing that at the moment. I like my escape into London and freedom of being out of the house. So, working from home is a, a bit of a trial at the moment for me. Yeah, I've always actually sort of interspersed a bit of working from home in previous jobs and actually in this role I work from home all the time and uh, but I've actually usually worked in a sort of co-working space with other people which is quite nice and so to not have that you know, even just going out of the house each day to walk there and set up my desk and work and come home and have that structure it's been a bit different many just you know just me and my wife at home just you know sharing tea making and lunch making duties sharing or sharing or is one of you doing more than the other I make more of the tea I think and uh, she does more of the lunches yeah that's probably fair to say I guess it's a weird thing isn't it that companies we've had the technology to work from home for for years and yet companies have been very adverse to it I, I think every company has their own accountability system and if you can't see somebody working there's a fear that they're, they're not working or that the home environment will be too distracting as I hear my daughter cry outside my bedroom window probably because someone one of the other children have hit her or slighted her in some way I mean children are distracting I mean do, do you want to share some of our own Dan as yet has not has no children luckily but he can share a story about how his wife's uh, interrupted him but uh, Gronje do you want to tell us of any uh, embarrassing interruptions from your own children so I've got three daughters and all of them love interrupting me and they don't seem to really grasp the idea that if I'm talking to somebody on the phone that they can't talk yeah we're working on that and um it was, it was actually one of my days off and I had Nancy at home, she was poorly and I had an interview I had to do, I couldn't, couldn't move it and I was trying to interview them in the kitchen with my phone and the laptop and trying to like really focus on it but all I could hear in the other room was, was my daughter just screaming and screaming and I slipped away, I asked them a very difficult question, slipped away, sorted her out and came back about four minutes later and the person was still talking they hadn't noticed that I'd gone so that was quite lucky. That was broadcast mode by the academic there so... Yeah. I mean, by sorting your daughter out, I assume you mean putting Peppa Pig on the television. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what was she crying? I think she wanted some sort of food, maybe some biscuits. And has uh, your wife ever interrupted you on a call, Dan? Well, no, that scenario of me wanting food and, and causing a distraction for her, though, does sound quite similar to our sort of <laughs> homeworking setup. But no, we're, we're okay. I think we're in a slightly more fortunate position that we don't have that additional distraction. But certainly, you know, that, that time when you get, when you're trying to work from home, and you're doing something and you've got other things going on in the background and having to sort of find a skill and sort of a new skill you discover where you can sort of somehow sound engaged to the person you're talking to whilst also getting on dealing with the things distressing you at home at the same time is I think a skill quite, a lot of people are learning I've got quite adept at holding the door shut with one hand while holding a phone in the other hand as my daughter shouts through it saying I've done a massive poo to whoever's on the other end of the phone who really doesn't care whether my daughter's done a massive poo to be honest and and neither do I as it happens but she's very intent in talking about that so I've got some sort of physical skill of holding two things down at once yeah I, do, um, I, I think people are going to develop a, develop a lot of new skills like that in this period I think so I mean but teachers I guess have to learn more than most is that right Gordon, I mean, your husband's a teacher you're an ex-teacher teachers 
teachers don't get work from home days typically they, they don't it just doesn't happen you might occasionally be, be sent home to and told to like moderate loads of coursework that in the olden days we I remember, remember doing things like that but we're actually trying to teach from home and that's that's bizarre and incredibly difficult. Have things lessened up a bit? I mean, has it become a little bit more flexible over the past few years? I mean, I've heard of people taking their PPA time at home or if someone's working on a secondment project, it, they can do a bit of homeworking or is that so rare still? It's never really taken off though, has it? I think, like you said, um, like that idea that if you can't see somebody's working, do you know they're really working? And I think a lot of schools are quite reluctant to let people have working from home days because they're not sure how much they're their money's worth out of them if they're outside like it's the why can't you do it in the staff room situation mm. isn't it yeah it's and what people are doing at the moment is actually trying to teach from home and that's so tricky and teachers typically are quite an active bunch of people you know they're, they're pacing their classroom they're pacing between if in their secondary they, they might be walking at great distances between blocks yeah. to break time to coach duty they're used to being on their feet they're used to that social interaction mm-hmm. they're used to this buzz of a school and I know you've looked at this for a few coming up on the 1st of May Dan in the sense that teachers are very social and very active beings the, the transition to being a very well potentially I don't know how sedentary uh, your husband's being kind of a potentially a more sedentary existence because especially considering we can't actually leave the house other than once a day uh, at the time of recording this podcast and and we're stuck with whoever's in our house which mm-hmm. I'm presuming is less than 30 children uh, for the vast majority of teachers and what did you sort of uncover in that feature that suggested that I mean are teachers going to find this harder? Yeah absolutely and, and it's easy to see why because I mean yeah as you as you sort of outline there all the ways that being a teacher is so social and you think about it it's not just the classroom is it it's you know it's your, it's your colleagues you know you work with children you work with your colleagues there's you know there's football matches and other you know, games to go and oversee there's parents even there's you know there's all kinds of things like that that you know really a teacher's job is so social it'd be a very strange teacher i think who went into the profession not realizing they're gonna to have to spend a lot of time interacting with a lot of people from all walks of life and that's everything as well isn't it like you know you don't have a choice about what the parents are going to be like of the pupils you teach and you have to learn to get on quickly and you know that's why it's sort of a lot of the research really looked at teachers are you know, have these sort of skills and they're very sociable people and even if it doesn't necessarily mean you're an extrovert it just means you're sociable and you can you can find common ground with someone and, and get on with them and just suddenly have that taken away from you it's not like the summer holidays where you know it's coming up and you can plan some fun things to do with that time time off and you know you know when you're coming back this happened almost in the space of a few days you don't know what's happening you don't know what's going to happen you're deprived of that so you can't replace that with a social scene like you might over the summer and so, you know, a lot of the academics I was speaking to sort of looked at these things around, you know, what makes a good teacher and the teacher personality. He was saying that, yes, that, that will be quite hard. But then again, they, the interesting point they made was that if teachers are used to that kind of time away from their job, or their normal job, you know, being in, in school, they may be slightly more adaptable, actually, and, and not struggle as much as we may think. And as your husband using you, Gwanya, as a, as a substitute school environment, does he never stop talking? Does he does he order you? He's a PE teacher, so does he order you onto the into the garden for twenty reps of the uh, the garden table? I mean, how is he coping? So this will really surprise you, but I'm quite competitive, and my husband and I are quite competitive with each other in terms of how many steps we've had a day, and he likes to think there's a PE teacher he walks more than I do and I, I quite enjoy the fact that I couldn't beat him in our in the step counters and we've been looking at them since we've gone into lockdown and it's just ridiculous like our activity has dropped to I think a quarter of what it normally is and we're now trying to beat each other in t- 
terms of how many steps we get done in the house and that's quite tricky because our house isn't massive and so when we go and like take our little Boris walk and we go out for once a day I'm trying to walk up and down up and down with the, the fastest of our children and making them walk back on themselves to try and try and beat him to up your count yeah I mean quite a lot of I mean if we look at the indicators we've got as a, as a magazine, I mean, people, we've got teachers telling us they're struggling with this, they're, they're missing the kids, they're missing their colleagues, they're, a lot of them don't like being at home for that length of time. And yeah. if we look at other indicators like social media, I mean, Twitter's once again not the nicest place, as happens in school holidays a lot. But and I know we just got into the Easter holidays, but I, I get the impression that people are going on those Facebook forums, going on those, uh, Twitter, going on Instagram, and are seeking out that social element of teaching. Is that something you've noticed too, Cornel? I think they're frustrated and they're a bit scared, and it's that that they're trying to replace the niceness of being in a class and having people to talk to each day and trying to find connections online. I've never seen so many tweets from people saying, I haven't got very many followers, nobody replies to me, everyone likes pictures of cheese, why does nobody like my tweet? It's just a bit strange, really, it's that craving human contact that they're obviously not getting at home. And I, I mean, have, have any of us found that? I mean, Dan, have you have you found you're seeking out uh, social stimulation in other ways? Yeah, I suppose without realising it, I guess we have because, like everyone, you know, again, my wife and I have sort of started in a lot of FaceTime calls with people that we we never would have spoken to in that in that format before. And, and what's been strange actually is so often those calls you end and you think, why did we do that before? It works quite well actually for people you don't get a chance to see so often yeah. to just suddenly have a sort of quick face chat with both friends and family. It works quite well. But I think what one thing I have found as well is that I've actually been doing some part-time lecturing you know, since the start of this year at a university on a journalism course. And I've sort of, I have had that experience of being in a classroom, you know, environment, so to speak, and looking in, you know, in the eyes of the people you're speaking with and, and seeing them engage with something and not quite understand something and being able to go over to them and explain it again and then seeing that sort of light bulb moment and you know, the funny things that come up and having a bit of a laugh of them and, and, and all these sort of really fun things the, the unexpected and the random and the sort of the things you can plan a lesson and actually the thing that really captures their interest is something you thought wasn't going to be that you know that interesting you thought it was a little throwaway comment you were going to make and actually that really piqued their interest mm. to suddenly not have that if that's what you're used to all day every day I mean for me it was just a sort of an ad hoc thing I've done on the side but to have that all day every day is your job I can see why that's so invigorating and so varied and then to suddenly lose that almost overnight and to be stuck at home particularly if you maybe you live on your own you know yeah it must be very hard to lose that and, and very hard to really replicate that remotely as best as you may do it it's never going to be a classroom environment i think that's an important point to pick up on about people living alone or people who are carers or i mean being boxed into a house for 23 hours a day potentially is going to heighten a lot of those issues i mean it's going to put strains on where already cracked you know mm-hmm. do you think that you know schools are able to monitor staff in that way to make you know have they got the resource to look out for staff in that way and do they have the time of the people who would be able to do that actually able to do that at the moment are they poorly are they in a position to be able to put that monitoring in place does monitoring sometimes feel like someone's just checking up on you Mm. Right. I mean, we're so used to accountability, aren't we? Does does yeah. a call saying, how are you feeling? Is that going to be read as what are you saying? You know, you saying I'm not pulling my weight. And yeah, that's a delicate balance, isn't it? And I think there's a limit to what you can do in terms of monitoring staff well-being if you can't see them every day. Because so much of what we talk about when we're, we're looking for changes of mood, we're looking for physical signs of stress when people might not admit to it openly. I mean, I mean, video calling, you could do it to a degree, I guess. But do you, well, I guess there's two questions for you, Gronio, as, as somebody's worked in schools is it a school's job to do that and if it is their job to do that 
is it even possible to fulfil that responsibility? I think schools definitely have a duty of care over their staff. Without a doubt, I think they, that is definitely a responsibility to check how their staff are, how they're doing. Are they well? Are they coping with what they're, they're being asked to do by their managers? Is it practical to do? Is, even if somebody says they are okay, like you're going on what, an email or a telephone call, it's very different to seeing somebody every day in person. You might have people at your school and your school leader who you're particularly concerned about their mental health or their well-being and the burdens that they have upon them at this time it's really difficult I think all you can expect of people is for them to, to try and check how their staff are doing. I think I guess one thing schools could do and, and I might I think from what I've seen lots of schools have done this is give some general advice about mm. working from home in general and we've tried to do this a lot in Tears things we've got an amazing economist called joe steer who, who does really good well-being tips and what we're trying to do is give some general advice to, to teachers so that they can limit the impact of working from home or limit the mental toll of it mm-hmm. i mean we should give a big shout out to twitter staff room the hashtag that our structure editor sarah canane set up to give teachers a place where they can connect and, and have yeah. that virtual staff in place but you know should we each give our own tips from working from home, what works for us and what might work in a lockdown. Because one of my big tips, I guess, would be to, I used to do the school run in the morning and the afternoon and do a big walk in the lunchtime, which obviously my own routine has been disrupted because those bookend of my day with the school runs isn't happening. But I would say for me, having time to do exercise was one of the biggest well-being factors of working from home and something that really gave me a boost when you might be feeling isolated or frustrated from being at home. Uh, Dan, do you want to share some of your own things that you do as well? Yeah, I've tried quite hard to maintain as normal a structure as I can, you know, in this situation. So I get up at the same time and I have a have a shower and have my breakfast. And, you know, I've really tried not to change it. I'm certainly not, you know, wearing pyjamas or just dripping around in the, you know, in, in slippers or anything like that. I've tried quite hard to sort of maintain that to, to feel and to sort of, I think obviously, you know, it helps that we're doing our job as mostly as normal. But I think it's also important so you have a sense that this is a working day, not a weekend day. So when the weekend comes the weekend feels different and you can leave the alarm and not not set the alarm whatever it might be so that the work day feels like a work day very differently mm-hmm. to the weekend and then by having that start time the same by getting out you putting the radio on making a bowl of cereal you, you sort of know it's a work day in your mind and that you you have to expect to try and do as much as you can you know output wise and then again i think like your point is just trying to bookend things like so lunch is one to two as almost always is cup of tea at 11 cup of tea at three or whatever you know those sort of times of day and I don't think there's much sort of anything groundbreaking that, but I do think it's actually, it's fundamental, isn't it? And, and again, it sort of goes back to this feature I've written about isolation. And, you know, it's, it sounds a bit grandiose, but I spoke to an, an expert in this who's sort of was talking about astronauts and around the world, yacht salespeople and, um, you know, people who live in the Antarctic over, over winter, you know, there with like a few other people or on their own. And the thing that keeps people going in that is structure. And that's all, that's all you can rely on. And if you didn't have that, you would go a lot, it would be a lot worse. And so I suppose finding the structure is the, is like fundamental and everything else can sort of start from there. How about you, Gwyneth? I love being outside. And I think like you, I really miss that school run. I don't care if it's raining on school run because mm. it's just nice. Like I, I just like being out and like seeing, like seeing people on school run. In an attempt to try and recreate that time outside, I sort of do as much as I can in the garden. So anytime, anything I've got like long to read or if I'm doing like, talking out editing videos and stuff I'll sit in the garden and do it just to have the sunlight I think that makes a really big difference have you bought a bell off Amazon for your husband and are you ringing it every hour so that he he feels somewhat comforted is that a good idea or is that is that just compounding a problem 
Oh, so Pat's doing the homeschooling. That's, of course, that's a yes. joy. If you ever want to really torture yourself, watch a PE teacher try and teach English. That's. Uh, I just should note that Gornia's view does not represent the views <laughs> of the Times Education Supplement. That's, that's an opinion of hers alone. So she's at Hey Miss Hallahan on Twitter <laughs> if you'd like to take her up on that. But yeah, I mean, we, we've glossed over that a bit, I guess. The situation is even weirder for the vast majority of teachers who probably do have their own children is that they're not just working from home they're working from home with little people or, or perhaps teenagers at home and i guess the teenagers can largely look after themselves but if you've got primary age children and you're working from home for the first time as a teacher i mean that is that is mind-bending i imagine um somebody pointed something out funny that really amused me on facebook that all of the people showing these amazing working um home learning activities they're doing with their children They've got their day packed, their schedules full of all this exciting stuff, and not one of them is normally a teacher. <laughs> the teacher uh, is quiet. <laughs> well, there's a brilliant feed, uh, article yesterday we put out by, um, by someone. I loved that. Someone who's actually anonymous, and she just said, you know, QTS didn't prepare me to teach my own children. She, she paints an amazing picture of the absolute chaos that it is. And, mm. and I think flipping it round, if a teacher doesn't have their own children and doesn't know what a nightmare that might be, it they should find out because if you're setting work, particularly yeah. if you're setting quite, you know, highly prescribed work, it's just probably not going to get happen. I think we're we're lucky in this house if we get an hour of of learning time <laughs> each day with my wife with our four children downstairs. I mean, it it's tough. I mean, and it's tough yeah. to work in that environment. And I think at the risk of sounding overly negative, we do have to acknowledge that it's it is tough, right? Mm. But there's an, there's another thing going around on Twitter I saw, which I thought was quite good actually. It's it said you're not working from home. You're being asked to stay at home and try and get on with everything else as best you can. Yeah. And that's what the vast majority of people are actually experiencing here. It's not that they've chosen to do this and it's like, well it's your you you said you said you could make this work. It's that the government has ordered us all to stay at home to avoid spreading this horrific virus. Yeah. But we sort of sometimes almost seem are forgetting that, that everyone's doing this at the, for the best, for the good of the country. And we're not doing it because we decided like, oh, actually, I'd quite like to stay at home today and, and teach my children and teach my job and do my job or whatever. Yeah. And so I think we need to sort of realise that, I think we said this in the other podcast, it's like the best you can achieve is, it should, is admirable because yeah. it's very hard and the, the transition has been very quick. And that, again, that working from home thing is the ways you make it work for you they're unorthodox but they work i think that's good you know that should it shouldn't be that you have to do a certain thing and if you don't you're, you're not doing it right i think as long as you get out of it what is enough to keep everything ticking and the plate spinning that should be perhaps the first checkpoint that actually changes my last question slightly because my last question was is this going to change the way schools work in the sense that if teachers get used to this is this going to pave the way for a more flexible way of working but actually you know, how much can we put, taking your point down, I mean, how much can we put on this period as a good example, a bad example, or any sort of example of how homeworking might work? Because it is probably quite unrealistic to how it's going to work if it was taken on post-virus, if you like. Well, I think, it, it, yeah, you're right. If you, if you structured this and you planned for it and you knew what date you were going to start teaching like this and the, yeah. the pupils knew this is what they were going to be having when we taught and the parents did, I suspect the one thing that we are learning is that the skill to do that as the, the fundamental skill of setting an online lesson and delivering it remotely. The hope would be if you ever had to do this again, it would be a lot more structured and thought through and the issues of, you know, digital connectivity and all those things would be preemptively taken care of. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like the skill sets everyone is developing now might actually prove useful if we come to do this again in more structured ways. And Gordon, I mean, can you foresee a flood of calls to head saying, well, I've proven I can do this from home or I've proven I can work flexibly. 
I mean, our head's going to be inundated with, or in, under a degree of pressure, if you like, to become more flexible in how, what they're offering stuff. Maybe. My, uh, my brother's a primary school teacher, and in week one, he was uh, absolutely sold on that idea. That this is the way forward, that this is what they're going to be doing. That, like, he can see when we do go back, we'll do a four-day week, one day at home every single week. And now he's like, he just can't wait to get back to school. He doesn't have any children. And it's just him and his girlfriend and they're, they're working, both working from home. But he really misses the classroom. and He really misses the kids. I think maybe it'll be the opposite. Maybe people will just be really glad to be back and they won't be trying to angle for working from home days anymore. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. So let's finish with one tip from each, our top tip for teachers working from home. I know they've been doing it already, but, you know, going back after Easter, getting set again what's your number one tip Gornia? so i did a piece this week about virtual school trips i think that's a genius idea i think uh set your kids up on a virtual school trip tell them that you're you're going off on a trip today get them to pack a bag make them all excited about it and then have a look we've got some suggestions on the blog that comes out I think week after next 23rd of april i think yeah 23rd of april dan I think on the more practical side in terms of whilst working from home, I think that idea of having very sort of defined start and finish times and not letting your evening, your work evening bleed into your personal evening and saying at you know, 5.30, whatever time it is, you usually finish for the day. That's when you finish and you turn the computer off and you walk away from it, just like you would at school. I think that's really important because I think it's very easy to not do that. And that I reckon if you, if you are doing that, it's going to contribute to the sense of stress and feeling a bit overwhelmed or like oh, another thing to deal with whereas actually you wouldn't do that in normal work you would leave and you would go home and, and you know you'd have your dinner so I think we need to that that would be a practical thing I think that for now and as long as this lasts simple as it may sound I think it's easy to say it I wonder how many people are doing it and I think it's something I've tried quite hard to do again because when your computer is on your kitchen table easy to keep looking at your emails but better to just walk away and then my tip to finish is to have your desk near a door near the door of the room and to hold the door shut under all circumstances <laughs> and to make sure that no one can break in because that that will give you peace of mind if you're on the other side of the room to the door that that child's in your room before you can stop them and, and it's only going to end badly so i'll leave you with that for uh, uh dear listeners and um thanks to you two for coming on and uh yeah i hope you enjoyed thanks C'est Laila de l'équipe Acast. Cet épisode vous a plu et vous cherchez d'autres podcasts à découvrir Cette semaine, notre roco, c'est Anouk Perry Podcast. Découvrez-le par vous-même. Salut, c'est Anouk Perry et je vous présente ma chaîne Anouk Perry Podcast. Ce qu'on y retrouve, des podcasts qui parlent de sexualité. Et euh, donc, euh, moi maintenant, euh, je fais des gangbangs. Mais pas que. J'aime explorer des anecdotes de honte dans ma série Awkward et des sujets sur tout et rien dans mes projets unitaires. Moi, je, quand je sais que je vais tatouer une cuisse, je suis trop heureuse, je suis genre, euh, ok, c'est une bonne journée. Ici Yannou Perry et je vous embrasse. Dans l'équipe, on a adoré. Envie d'en savoir plus Rendez-vous sur l'appli Acast ou votre appli de podcast préféré pour le découvrir. Merci et bonne écoute